Welcome to episode 35 of the NFP podcast presented by 3D Entertainment. The NFP podcast is brought to you by Sneaky Weasel Lager and Hey All Southern Ice Teas, the official alcohol sponsor of the show, as well as our official clothing sponsor, Wrangler. Long live Cowboys. What's up, everybody? Two week hiatus. We're back. The boys are back in town. Jason Davidson, what's up, dog? How much there, Cinnamon Dick? What number are we on? 35, baby. 35. 35. Holy, just fucking rips you with a Cinnamon Dick right off the bat. Oh, that's a good one. Nice. I enjoy that. Yeah, sorry, LT. I didn't mean that. 35, eh? <laughs> yeah. Well, we got to give it up for our boy, Tony Esposito. Passed away last week. One of the greatest goaltenders of all time. Yeah. That was kind of a layup, 35. Not for Tony Esposito, but... You could go with any goalie, really. <laughs> Most hey, of them. Nick and I have Moulin. That was my boy. Holy fuck. Couple DUIs, too. Guy doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> Andy Moog. You got to give it up for old Andy Stop. Moog. Stop yeah. fucks and doesn't give a fucks. There's no fucks given. <laughs> Zero fucks given. Holy shit. Scott, Scott Burns here again. Scott, how you doing? We better do our openings earlier in the day. <laughs> oh, no. These are better. <laughs> I'm I'm good guys, really good. I I had a meeting previous to this, and I had about six cups of coffee, so I'm a little lamped up, you know. But uh, why? no, hey, really good. We're we're just knocking on five inches of rain here, so uh, crazy green now. I'm fucking right. Love we it. had some rain here too the last uh, two yeah. days. Well, fucking needed. Holy shit! Actually, it, I was at the Glen Keeley last weekend, and what is it the the to get rain, you just have a bull ride or cut some hay, one of the two, and then you're guaranteed for some rain. So we had some rain there too, but nobody there was complaining about it or nobody, all of us that living in this drought right now, nobody said a bad word about it. So fucking let it rain, we'll roll. Oh, yeah, man. It's so nice to see mud and all that comes with a large rain. Fuck, it's nice. And I, and I'm not shitting you. The, the grass overnight grew an inch. Like oh. like the hay crops. Oh, mm-hmm. man. It, it's fucking beautiful. Honey's on fire. I can love it. Oh yeah. yeah. Jason, what's up? What have you been doing? Two weeks off. What's what's uh, what's been happening? Yeah, two weeks off. We got this thing called the PBR. Two this weeks week. off from the fucking podcast. Well, yeah. Everybody Jeez. else works too. But what have you been doing since we had our last podcast? Contrary to what you think, I was just laying on the couch for the last two weeks. <laughs> two weeks? <laughs> oh shit, I had nothing to do. No podcast. <laughs> Fuck me. Fuck, yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry. No surprise, but, but... actually. No, I've been getting ready for Lethbridge, man. Just oh. uh, getting stuff in order. Pretty pumped to get back at it. First TSN event of the year. And um, yeah, kind of remember how to do a few things, remind people how to do a few things. So, yeah, it's been a busy couple weeks, but can't wait to get over there. Little family reunion. Yeah, everybody be back rolling. How many yeah. years? How many years is that now? You've been there. If it's not twenty-one, it's twenty. Yeah, beauty, right there. Yeah. 
How's it going to be with a change of dates? It's usually, what is it? Usually in February, right? March. 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 We're going to March. Yeah, we're going to not have those college kids there. Um, but we knew that when we picked the date, we had to work around hockey and whatnot because these, you know, the hockey teams roll them. Mm-hmm. They roll into the rink the week after us. Uh, and then we're right back in Lethbridge in February again. So that'll be back to, you know, close to our normal dates. But yeah, no, it's selling good. Like people want to get out and see some live entertainment again. It's a good sign. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you talk about people wanting to go to events. Uh, Braden was at a team roping last weekend at Oli's, which is Winston Bears uh, stomping grounds there. Mm-hmm. And I swear they had 800 teams and there was probably five, 600 people just watching. Um, a team roping. People, you're right. Yeah. Oh, wow. The world, the world is going mess. It's mess. <laughs> yeah. No, man. They, they run 800 teams through there the first go. And, uh, it, you know what? It was, it was pretty good watching. And like I said, there were so many people there. It was just, it was great to see people out. And you're right. The, they just want to do something. Right. So did he, what did, did that he make fucking some, pay? Yeah. yeah I was going to say it paid 12,500 a man to win it. Damn. Um, I think 10th, Hole paid uh, thirteen hundred or something, man. Um, yeah, my boy, he roped like a wolf. Just uh, didn't have the healers that he needed when he needed them. And uh, hey, all good. I told it, chalk it up as a uh, as a as a win for you. you How about who, that's all you can do. Who's the winner? Anybody we know from the old rodeo days? No, not at all. Uh, actually, the guy that won it. He won it last year heading. He won it this year healing. I can't remember his name, but rigged. he's rigged. Yeah, rigged. <laughs> uh, Anyways, um, my whole point was bump his number. Watch, watch bump stuff. His number. Yeah, bump. fuck me. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're learning this team so, rope and lingo. We learned some bronc riding talk last weekend too, Zeke. I like that. So we'll listen more. Yeah. Learn all these rodeo events. Holy fuck! There's not just bull riding out there. Who'd have thought? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There is another end of that arena. Holy shit. Jason, you uh, made a trip with me to Coronation to the Royal Rumble event. Yeah. We did that during our during our break. That's a good event. Tanner Eno, the hometown cowboy, takes his event win. I asked him afterward. I said, you, or no, I think I asked one of his buddies, but I was like, so you got a girlfriend? And they said, yeah, he does. And I was thinking in my head, like, you win your hometown event. That's your, time. Oh, yeah. hey, that's your time to shine. All the girls that were too cool in high school and shit you know roll back in there you're just chauching around there you know, well i'll tell you what you're looking for someone to warm them up because i thought it was gonna snow there at about 9 30 holy shit was it cold yeah it look a little, a little chilly a little chilly oh yeah. <laughs> had to keep running around we almost killed off uh tyler craig holy fuck this is one of the one of the bigger hard head hits yeah that you'll oh. see in a while oh he was good that would have been a good ad for a uh for a helmet, I'm not sure what kind of helmet he had on, but it would have been a, a good ad for it because he can't get hit any harder. He got up and was okay. So, yeah, no kidding, eh? Yeah, good. Some good bull rides in the championship round. Yeah. Uh, Tanner Tanner sold it last ride, um, yeah. win it, but Zane made a great ride. I think Zane was 88 and a half. Yep, Zane Lambert. Was, uh, yeah, cover and Chuck. And cover Chuck. Cover Chuck, I thought, probably made the best ride in that championship round. Yeah, uh, but he was he, he was come yeah he come in a little bit behind everybody. Yeah, it was good, good okay. event. Good to see him back. That is always the hardest one to win. I always said you could win the world or win the Canadian championship over and over in your hometown crowd 
will just base your whole fucking career off what you do at their <laughs> yeah. home event. They don't oh, see yeah. anything else, especially before like social media was big and shit, right? <laughs> they seen you one time a fucking year, and that was your chance to prove that you were any good or not. So good for town. Right. Chalk that you, one up. You won the you won the uh, camera and the junior bull riding at Prince Albert a couple times. You got a win there. I took a couple titles. Didn't yeah. you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, uh... <laughs> did you did you win one of the big buckles there? Oh yeah, bro. Yeah, I sure did. I was did uh you? yeah, I rode um Rockaholic. Remember that bull of uh Hall? yeah oh yeah yeah uh, I was 90 on him in the short round to win that some bitch got the PA buckle 3D bull riding all over it. Fucking grapes. Nice, nice. <laughs> Cripes. Oh, Cripes. Yeah, took the hometown win. That's that's what I'm saying. That's uh that's one that you want to chalk up and get over with. So good for him. And then uh from there I moved on to the Glen Keeley Memorial Bow Riding, which is obviously a staple event of the touring pro division for the year in memory of Glenn Keeley, who was killed in the arena riding bulls who you guys knew really well was older than me but uh just goes to show we've talked about him a lot on on the pod but just goes to show how influential and and big that guy was in our sport for generations like myself and even all the younger guys they have an intro video for him that that shows his highlights kind of and him talking and everybody from tough edeman to kelly armstrong to uh jim sharp everybody biggest names in the world talking about how great of a guy glenn was and how good he rode and then they play it with Thunderstruck and all them old ACDC songs and that fucking, all oh, you can see the boys just the shiver on their back, get rolling and yeah. she's game on her, but he's ready to ride. And it showed, man. Fucking guys came to ride. Nick Tetz, my God, holy. He, uh, yeah, he's. First uh, and second. Yeah, first and second. First and he second. Yeah. And just takes, put, a, put a clinic on. Holy fuck. Like just, I think he had a little, you know, got his mind right. And maybe this will be, that'll be his like stepping out party to show that he can step up to the plate and not just ride them average bulls but can ride the best ones and go 90 and you know it's his highest score and fucking like he, he just dominated everything i don't want to fucking pump his tires too much but he did well, that night yeah that night he, he messed the shit out of me he was like fucking spurring over his head on some of the you know tight row pound sand bull called al capone um his long round bull was a good one of uh wilson's too that's lots of times in the short round and oh irish rebel irish rebel yeah he just nodded mm-hmm. nodded with his fucking foot on the back and went to kicking loose and just dominated well, uh, everything it, it was the glenn keely memorial yeah like Mon- monkey yeah. see monkey do that guy yeah. sprung. Well, well and and for our younger listeners and we've talked about this lot a lot on the pod is uh not two weeks earlier three weeks earlier at josh's he he jumped up in the back of the sheets a couple times and he was struggling like he said it out loud to his friends. He's like, what is going on? Mm-hmm. Like, I can't finish these bull rides. So it just takes something to turn it around and look at him. He's on fire. And number one will, guy. He's right. number one in Canada today. Mm-hmm. And, and I will say there is something about that Glenn Keeley Memorial bull riding that lights guys up. There's been more 90 point rank rides over the years at that bull riding than it's old, mm-hmm. old Glenn must be looking down and, Mm-hmm. making them guys step up to the plate yeah it was honky cat yeah nick wants some of that big purse in edmonton he Damn wants it year. yeah it's it good it's gonna be a good race yeah fucking it's a. Be a good race yeah i didn't even know that he was near that uh that top five area but yeah went a first and second i'll 
do a lot yeah. for you. And that bumped him yeah. right now as the number one man going into the cup series. So fuck well, it. and then you, Game you on. talk about Tannerino and Solly, they both moved inside the top 10 after coronation. Um, and I think Ash got one road. Did Ash get one road with Glenn Keeley? Yep. Yeah, he did. Yeah. yeah. So he picked up some points there. Those kids are yeah. that smelter kid. We, the, the bull riding future in Canada is looking bright. Yeah, um, I can't wait to see what they do here in the big stage in Lethbridge here this weekend. Yeah, and Griffin Smeltzer at Staley also rode a bull called uh, Winston Bruce of the Scories that was one of the top bulls at Coronation when we were there, Jason, of that black, yeah. white face paint. Really bucked, and Griffin uh, stuck it all over him. Made a honky, he was 87 or something, and I'd never seen that. I haven't seen that bull get rode before that, and I was telling Griffin that. So those kids are coming in uh, feeling good, and the, and the veterans as well too, man. Fucking butters. Rode, rode the shit out of everything. Um, Jared rode in the long round and then took a re-ride, got bucked off. But, like, they're, the, the old boys are coming to ride, too. So it's it's going to be a really, really really cool race to see that everybody's yeah. fucking firing on all cylinders and riding good. Can't wait. So what's good. what's the spread between Jared and Nick now? Is it is it huge? Is it not uh, 26 right. points behind Nick Tetz is Jared Parsons. Then 40 points. That's all around. Coverchuk, 43 points behind the leader. Tanner Eno, 64 points. And Tanner, as he's driving to his next event, listen to this pod, if he misses winning a check for 50000 in Edmonton by 40 points, he's going to really regret the decision he's making this weekend. I hope you don't edit that out, Tanner. <laughs> I would edit that out. You could share on it. What are you talking about? For the people that don't know. I had a little conversation with him. Well, he's got to go rodeo and he's got a goal to make the CFR, which actually we should screenshot what he's got one right now in the CPRA. I told him he already has a CFR made. I don't even Constant know. Tr- yeah, he, I think he does because there ain't much for rodeos left. It ain't going to no. take, it's not going to take much to get there, really. Uh, you have to you have to have a contract that card for a couple of years before you can get there, though. I know that. Oh, <laughs> 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 the fucking system! Yeah. Kind of fucking rules do you make that? So you did like any type of contract act, so bullfighting, pickup man, any other sort of thing like that. Yeah, you're on probation for two years, and then you have to have your full card for a year before you can be voted to any finals. So to me, that's like telling uh, Jess Lockwood that he couldn't win the world title because when you turn 18, you're on probation for a couple of years and then before you can get your full card. So you can't win a world title even though you'd win a world title because you haven't been there long enough. Or long enough. Who's fucking long enough. That's the dumbest fucking thing I've ever seen. But yeah. Who, who fucking made that rule up? I don't know. We can look into it though, but. I, th- I thought you it was, probably, I thought it was you, Scott. I, thought, <laughs> I was going to say it's probably you. You can't. Absolutely. I think that's how we were talking about that on the way to the Rumble at Coronation. And uh, I thought we did throw Scott's name. <laughs> well, you ought to take it back. Well, who did, I wonder? We need to. Uh, so I, so what is it? You, you're on pro. You, you get your, you go off your permit and get your card. You go, so you're fully carded for two years before so you have you to be on even... your permit. You have to be on your permit for two years. So you get your permit. So you have to get every your you have to get bull riders to sign for you. You have to get a bullfighter to sign for you and a stock contractor to sign for mm-hmm. you to get your permit. Then you get your permit and you have to be on your permit for two years and do six perfs within those two years. Once you do the six perfs, you can apply to get off of your permit and get your full card. To get your full card, you have to have a CFR bullfighter then sign for you, two CFR bull riders to sign for you, and a stock contractor again 
to sign for you. And then you have to have your full card for a full year before you're eligible to be voted in for any of the other stuff finals is oh well, geez. Like you're gonna be you're gonna be retired before you're gonna be too, you're <laughs> gonna be too old yeah it's pretty wild though so you have to get so, well, how many signatures was that that was fucking so uh for our novice listeners for our novice <laughs> listeners the best bull riders in the world have voted tanner to the pbr finals twice in canada mm-hmm. but he can't go to the canadian finals rodeo this year or next year i think i go be- i'm working on getting the 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 full because I've done the perfs needed, so right, I'm right. getting the full card now so that I'll have a full season by this time next year. Oh, no, no chance. Next year. No, I'm telling you right now, there's no way they're letting it happen. Well, no, no that was that was my question. If you had your six perfs in your first year, are you do you get you know yeah. streamlined right to yeah? Well, mm, yep. goodness gracious, right. we got, we're we trying to figure it out. We got I got it on anyway. Oh, yeah, Yorkton, it's yeah, yeah. So working on that, see how that all lines out. But uh, fuck, who knows? Hey, at the Glen Keeley, uh, Justin Keeley, the Keeley family, Jason, the whole crew, man, Brad, fucking such a great crew. We obviously had a lot of fun, probably too much fun afterwards. But that is kind of part of the course is what goes on. But before <laughs> the event, they decided this year that they were going to do a horse race. So. At the Keeley's Ranch, if you guys have been there, for, for those that haven't been there, it's in the foothills of Alberta. It's kind of similar to if you watch like some of those Western movies that are filmed in Alberta. It's like almost mountainy area. The most beautiful place, really, fuck, there is out there, right? Legends of the Fall, a bunch of those movies are all filmed right in that area. Anyways, so the arena's down in this valley, and there's this huge kind of half mountain, foothill side mountain. And you can look up, and that's where Glenn and uh, Mom and Dad Keeley are all buried up on the top of the hill. And they said Glenn used to run that hill as a workout every day, which, holy fuck, he had been in good shape to be doing that. Anyways, so they decided this year that they were going to have the three ranches that were around there, each bring three people from each ranch, and they're racing down that motherfucker. And you come down, you come across the coulee, and you come across the river, and then jump up the river and come past like the fans behind the bucket shoots and into the arena. And the first, the first team that had three people or two people from their, from their uh, ranch to get in the arena, won it. And they did a Calcutta and sold it and everything is a big ordeal. There was like uh, Turkey tits, uh, Tanner Gerlitz was in it. Ian McKay, nice. um, bunch of, yeah, there was a lady in it. Anyway, this is where the wreck comes into play. But so it's all just hyped, man. It's fucking everybody's fired up, ready to go on this shit. What's well, a long ways, you know? And I, I don't think uh, uh, Chase Keeley that was fights bulls and does a really good job. I fought with him this weekend in Prescott. But he was telling me that this lady that was in it, she'd been practicing for the week, like she was ready for this fucking thing. And turkey tits and them other guys, I think we're just smashing beers, having a fun time with it. Well, this lady and this guy take off fucking over and under and right from the get-go of that thing and it's a long ways and they ran them suckers the whole way well by the time they get down that little coolie area and hit the water well i mean both those horses just hit that cold water and just fucking whop right down they went <laughs> fucking flipped over and then you can't it's kind of down the river so you can't really see but there's another side hill on the other side where everybody sits and watches the bull riding where they're all sitting up there and they can see the whole thing play out. Well, this whole fucking side hill of fans and their sponsors and everybody, they probably know, everybody knows each other around there. Well, they see this go down. And I mean, that whole 
stands panics and they all start running to the water and you can just see hats floating down the horses were so tired they couldn't get up and they were fucking floating oh. away in the water the lady was down the guy was down there was fucking 100 people down there everybody's trying to figure out what was going on and it was like that's how it's that's how the show started but it ended up being pretty good but uh yeah really uh then like turkey tits and um some of them other guys just came riding through the water like slowly probably like 10 minutes after like what the fuck was going on here but it was pretty good watching pretty good watching anyway so we'll see i think justin said that they uh they had good a good response on it nobody was hurt none of the horses were injured so i guess that's kind of the main thing but uh it was good watching very entertaining that's what started the show off and then we rolled right into the bull riding and a lot of good bull rides and a lot of action so action-packed fucking Glen Keeley Memorial once again. Very proud to be a part of it. Hope to keep going back there for years and years to come. Don't want to miss that one. Uh, PBR news in uh, Nashville, Tennessee. Jose Vitor Leme wins again. Oh, no way. <laughs> no really? fucking way. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Shut the front door. <laughs> and he surpasses the most 90-point rides in a yeah. PBR season. Beats 17? Cody Something like that, yeah. Beats Cody Hart's record, so another record for Jose. He'll probably just knock all those. Everybody be off. like, "Who's Cody Hart? <laughs> Who remembers Cody Hart?" You mean J Dub? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Cody, man, yeah, old legend of the game. Um, no rides in the fifteen fifteen. That was a shutout. Doesn't happen very often. I think that money goes to the contractors, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. used to yeah. anyway. Yeah, yep. your dad. Your dad wants to do that up here, and I'm like, no, nice try. <laughs> Get that uh, money back, man. <laughs> yeah, so that was uh, good to see Jesse Byrne. For those that are wondering, he was not in Nashville and was scheduled to be there. His wife Lauren got E. coli and was hospitalized. Do you know that one, Scott? Do you guys know that one? No. Yeah, fuck me. Yeah, so he was supposed to be flying out and had to end up getting her to the hospital. And she's been in the hospital. Really? There, I've been in the hospital for five, six days now, just on IV. I've had E. coli, boys. That's no fucking fun. How do you get that? Bunch of different things, like tainted water could be, uh, like feces, like fucking shit from horses or fucking <laughs> what cows. Is, what, <laughs> what, what is feces? 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 Feces. You know, feces. shit. You yeah, cleared yeah. it up. <laughs> and Jess finally being full of shit has got to... Got her. Yeah, yeah got her. Lettuce? I a, mean, anything. I don't know. They're going to try was, to track it back because it's very fucking dangerous. There was a calf roper one time got it from his pig and string. Um, yeah, I can't true. remember. It was during Calgary one year. Well, so... That's no fun. There you go. No. I ate so many carrots out of the garden and drank out of a hose so many times. I think I'm immune. Mushrooms. So many mushrooms. <laughs> so many. All that fun guy. Yeah. Well, no shit. I'll have to give him a ring. And yep. So that's where he was out for anybody that was that was wondering on that. And also at the Gun Keely, I drank a few Sneaky Weasel lagers. Oh, here we go. <laughs> Here we go, boys. If you're looking for a smooth, refreshing beer this weekend, grab yourself a Sneaky Weasel Craft Lager. This mildly hopped craft lager delivers a bold 5.6 ABV, but goes down crisp and clean. This beer pairs well with any bull riding celebration, fun in the sun, and good times with friends. This beer is available across all of Western Canada. Sneaky Weasel Lager, the official beer sponsor of the NFP podcast. Chick-boom! Um, Marwayne 
hits off. This will come out on Thursday. We're filming this intro on the Tuesday, so it'll be done by the time this comes out, but we won't have the updates on that, but looking forward to that one. Taking some bulls. Are you, are you going over there? Fight some bulls? Yeah, and fight the bulls for volts. It's me and Chase Keeley and I think Monty Phillips are doing that one, so... That'll be good. And then rolling right into Lethbridge. When are you guys heading to Lethbridge? Thursday, eh, Scott? Yeah, he'll, uh, I'll leave at 6 in the morning, meet him at noon, and we'll head on down there, I guess. Game on. Yeah. Uh, Sportsbet Golf Tournament. That's a shout-out for everybody. That if you want to golf, it's in uh, Calgary yeah, on what? September 14th. They've still September got some teams available. 14th. Yeah, it's a Tuesday. All the proceeds go to the sports medicine team and funds them getting down the road. We've talked about them on this podcast a lot too, and we've had Brandon on here uh, who kind of runs that whole situation. So anybody that wants to golf or if you're in the Calgary area, all the support that they can get with that one is well needed. Are you going to come, Jason? Are you going to rip it or what? Uh, did, you book, did you book your flight yet? No, booked a team. Oh, we got to book the to book. Well, the let me know yet. when you're booking. Yeah, I'll have to do that. I just looked at my calendar. I don't have anything on that day. No. Scott, some bad news for you as a drummer, your fellow drummer, Charlie Watts of the Rolling Stones passes away today at 80 years old. Fuck whoa, yeah. whoa, whoa. Look at it this way. They need a new drummer. <laughs> yeah, they do. One of the best. They need a drummer. How, how he was, And he was still giving her. You yeah, know? Still touring. Still, uh, still on the tour. How old is he? 80. Only eighty. That's it. Oh fuck! I could hit. The, I could hit the road again. <laughs> yeah, you're sad. Hey, who hey. was your who was your drumming uh, idols? Who was your go to when you who you're listening to when you're fucking playing in the bands back in the day? <sighs> you know what? Um, the drummer for uh, it was Rush. Uh, he just passed away. Neil Parrott. Yeah. Neil Parrott was yeah. just one that. That guy was freaking amazing, you know. Um, Daniel Adair was his name from uh, Nickelback. If you ever listen to Google him, just some of the stuff that he could drum was amazing too. And then, of course, the Tommy Lee. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. After Scott Scott and I started to travel together, it was Tommy Lee. Yeah, Yeah, no, it was, uh, yeah, pretty amazing. All those guys, so. Yeah. What about the Def Leppard guy? Wasn't he? Didn't he have one arm? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that was amazing. I watched That's a documentary funny. on that guy, and he went through hell to get back, you know, to playing form, as they say, and had oh, to sure. modify a kit, and he makes her happen. And actually, if you listen to him do drum solos, it sounds like he still has both appendages. <laughs> yeah. Both yeah. appendages. <laughs> yeah. Appendices. So. <laughs> yeah, they were. He was good too. God, yes, yeah. Oh uh, yeah. Um, have you guys seen this milk crate challenge? Oh <laughs> my god! Yeah, <laughs> we're gonna like try. That, it. There's we're guys gonna. gonna yeah, you, know, you guys crate. go right ahead. Yeah, you go right ahead. If Have we're doing it, we're, no, we're doing it in the arena. We got to do it in the arena. There's no way you guys gonna do it on the concourse. No. What practice. the fuck? What the fuck is it? I think Brinson well, should just, do an act. Is Brinson gonna be in Lethbridge? No, he no. not gets. He doesn't get here till Grand Prairie. Okay, that could yeah, be. Yeah, it's it's freaking everywhere though. It's everywhere on social media right now. Yeah, we'll share some videos of it on the on the NFE page. But Scott, it's a it's called the Milk Crate Challenge, and it's just a pyramid of you know those square box milk crates, and it's mm-hmm. just like 
it's a pyramid so it starts on one end and gets to the top and then comes down and you got to walk all the way to the top and then try to get to the bottom and it seems fairly easy and fairly straightforward but it's fucking looks impossible like there's been like two people to do it and the wrecks that are coming with it man. Oh. backbreakers like some of the fucking worst wrecks i'll have Bad. to have a look when we get off yeah um the mascot for uh oh one of the nfl football teams who the hell was it he pulled it off i he watched did it? it today yeah in yeah. his mascot outfit yeah not too so shabby. no no excuses yeah right yeah, so we'll have to get that going. Maybe <laughs> but Tanner called it. You should see, you should see the racks. Oh yeah, dude. <laughs> it's unreal. Unreal. Shout out to Cody Nance. Dislocated his hip again this weekend for the second time. He says that he's gonna try to be back for the Velocity Tour finals. But that's a that's a that's a big one. Have you guys yeah. ever done anything like that dislocated fucking hip Ugh. no but i dislocated a finger once and i'd still be questionable to get back for the pbr world finals in two months <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah that sounds painful Oof. second time too i can't uh oh, there's got to be something no. going on there loosening up uh, ouch my pouch right yeah and the taliban takeover have you guys been watching any of that shit oh my yeah. golly holy fuck doesn't seem like I know. I know one thing. Um, if you try hard enough, you can get on the side of a Hercules plane as it's trying as it's trying to take off. <laughs> Jesus! But, but I thought those were fake. That's real, eh? Question, the million dollar question is: Can you stay on? <laughs> no, yeah, that, that's true too. <laughs> For a while, I would just I would slather myself in gorilla glue and just. Stick to the side of it and hope for the best. <laughs> well, if it's real, the dude did pretty good to stay on as long as he did. As long as he did. Yeah. Holy crepes. But I guess he was probably holding on for dear life now, wasn't he? <laughs> pardon, pardon the pun. Yeah. He had two choices and one was not letting go of that plane. Unfortunately, yeah. it didn't pan out. Well, by the sounds of it, it's, yeah, that was the only choice a lot of them have when they're in that situation. Not a good fucking spot to be in. So I, I got to say, I don't know. I don't know a whole bunch about it, but I am a little worried that we're all pulling out of there and uh, the Taliban's just taking over. Does that not sound like uh, they're making headway a little bit? No. Yeah. Yeah. 20 years later and boom, yeah. they're back. Took it over yeah. within a couple hours. So fucked up world, man. I seen there was something Marcus Luttrell had a, had a Facebook post on it. I'm going to have to go check that one out and see what he had to say on it. Cause a guy that literally you can imagine. You fucking can imagine died over there say. pretty much. And all his buddies died over there. Yeah. And now to be going back to, back to square one um really slap in the face to a lot of those a lot of those guys and just the fuck yeah who knows what comes of that right we've seen what happened mm. in the past but crazy world we're living in man hopefully that all that all goes but yeah jason um sad one i know once again but we gotta want to talk about it with the hockey side of things but jimmy hayes passes away i don't know if you've read uh, a lot on that or seen that they haven't released um, the cause of death and everything like that, but just the outpouring of, of people in the game seems like I didn't know him, but um, seems like just the legend of the game, right? Well, uh, Severson played, Damon played with him, and uh, he said he was a great guy. And you know what, what the disappointing thing is? You don't know how good some of these guys are until they're gone, you know, mm -hmm. like, Col like Colby Cave, for example. Yeah. Um, anybody that knew him obviously knew what kind of character and um person he was but yeah it's it's sad man 31 with a family you know kids two kids yeah Just, two little boys yeah. Yeah, yeah terrible no um thoughts and prayers out to the family 
definitely. Yeah. And his brother, uh, Kevin Hayes is with the spit and chicklets guys quite a bit. And Jimmy had his own podcast as well too. I think it was called missing curfew with Scotty Upshaw and a few of those guys. So people can go check that stuff out. But, uh, yeah, you see a former guest, you know, Paul Bissonette, Biz Nasty and Ryan Whitney and all those guys that was, you know, it's really tight with them. So, uh, yeah, thinking about all that crew, man, it's crazy to, to see or just kind of how that fast things can happen. So makes you really under understand and know that, but yeah, thinking of, Former guest Biz Nasty and all the boys that uh, were tight with them. It's fucking no good. Okay, Manscaped. Attention listeners across the galaxy, all the way from Australia to Houston. Do we have a pube problem? If so, our friends at Manscaped have cleared you for takeoff with their fourth generation brand new Lawnmower 4.0. Kick your pubes to the next planet with the performance package 4.0. The orbits in your pants will feel like you're in zero gravity when you use the best tools for the job from the leaders in male grooming. Join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get your rocket ready for takeoff by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the code NFP20. Ready for an out-of-world experience, fellas? Look no further than the Performance Package 4.0 Manscaped that has just taken off not only in the USA, but Canada, the UK, across Europe, Australia, South Africa, and Singapore. Inside this package, you'll find their Lawnmower 4.0 Trimmer Weed Whacker, Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, Performance Boxer Briefs, and a travel bag to hold your whole solar system. Don't forget to use the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and their Crop Reviver to help your little planets be on their A-game while feeling the sun's heat. Manscaped even threw in two free gifts to their Performance Package 4.0, the Manscaped Boxers, and the Shed Travel Bag. Abort Harry Balls and Buzz Lightyear that Woody with Manscaped. Oh, how's a tongue twister, boys? God Again, very very impressed very impressed 20% off and free shipping with the code nfp20 at manscaped.com that's 20% off plus free shipping with the code nfp20 at manscaped.com your dick and balls need some help for a clear trinity and beyond your space balls will thank you <laughs> oh, oh man, yeah, our Not guest bad. today uh the cc rider cody custer probably should have talked about that a little bit earlier but we're gonna throw our, throw it to our interview with him here pretty quick but uh pretty fun interview with that guy i gotta have him back because we i got a whole bunch more questions to to ask him about his career but just a legend of the game fun fun interview get some insights on him lots of insights about what he thinks of bull riding in today's day and age and, and our youth and stuff like that, which yeah. a lot of people will get a good, good kick out of a lot of listeners that are bringing their kids up in the sport. I think it's a good one for them to listen to. And just a fucking legend all around. Good guy. Hey, solid yeah. guy for a lot of decades. Yeah. I've got to know Cody for 20 years now. And uh, yeah, you know, you're going to get the goods when you, uh, when you ask that man a question, there'll be no bullshit um other than that i think we're pretty good to go we'll be back like we said every uh we'll have a week off and then we'll be back in two weeks so after yeah two weeks we'll be back so we'll have some highlights from lethbridge and all that sort of stuff we'll fill everybody in on you follow along with our social medias uh check out the cowboy channel canada josh Barise's celebration of the two-bit nation is going to be on there again here right away looked really good good event there so 
All right. With that, we'll throw it to our interview with the world champion, Cody Custer. Cody Custer started riding bulls when he was 13 and won two Arizona high school championships before joining the PRCA in 1985. He qualified for the national finals rodeo every year from 1987 through 1992, which turned out to be a world championship season for him. One of his most memorable rides was round 10 of the 1991 NFR when he scored 94 points on Grounty Brothers' electric bull, Wolfman. Custer was the turquoise circuit bull riding champion from 1989 through 1992 and was a three-time Dodge National Circuit Finals rodeo champion, winning in 1990, 91, and 92. He also won the original Coors Rodeo Showdown. Custer bounced back from a series of injuries following his 1992 gold buckle season to qualify for the NFR in 1998 and 1999. He also won Cheyenne Frontier Days in 1999 and remained an active bull rider through the 2002 season. In addition to his success in the arena, Custer also rode for Hollywood. He was a stand-in for Lane Frost character in the movie Eight Seconds. If there's ever a bull that's going to fit Cody Custer, this should be it. Away from his hand is where he's the toughest. He said it's up his alley. This bull has a lot of rare, a lot of drop as he spins. He stays out there. Joining us today is an eight-time NFR qualifier, a six-time PBR World Finals qualifier, a Hall of Fame inductee, a PBR Ring of Honor member, an original founder of the PBR, as well as the 1992 champion of the world. One of the all-around good guys of the sport, the legend CC Ryder, Mr. Cody Custer. How are we doing today? Good. Good to be here with you guys. Good to have you, man. What, uh, what, what do we got on the go right now? Where do we catch you right now? Well, I'm at home right now. I've been the whole summer. I've been doing youth events, doing bull ride schools, and just the last two weeks I've been home trying to trying to catch up. Actually, yeah, <laughs> Groom. yeah, grooming. How's those uh, the bull riding schools? We'll hop right into that right now. That's something that's that's really important to you is helping the youth and giving back to to the sport. Something that's really given you a, a lifetime. So, what uh, what do you what do you got going on with all those right now? Well, you know what, I, I just. Uh, I've had had uh, four schools this summer. I got one scheduled Labor Day weekend, and then one in October, one in November. So, um, actually, maybe a couple other kind of private private schools. So, um, I just my my heart is to see guys really understand the the uh, fundamentals or the foundation stuff of bull riding. And, you know, in my mind. Um, a lot of kids kind of a lot of young guys that are trying to ride kind of skip the process in my mind just because the bucking bull industry's gotten so gotten so big and they're genetically putting these cattle together and, and uh you know like my story is uh we had a roping arena with 30 head of roping cattle and they doubled as bucking steers so for three summers i got on i got on all the steers i wanted and i you know i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna probably put it in the in the number probably about 2500 head of 
steers in three in three years when I was, you know, nineteen. <laughs> <laughs> Not bad. Just a sore ass from them. Wish you had a Brazilian rope back then. Take it off the side a little bit. <laughs> but I just, I just think that fundamentals kind of get skipped a lot and these guys get uh get a little bit ahead of themselves and you know i i watched the whole the whole scheme of junior bull riding and these young guys are they're badasses like there's a bunch of kids that are uh coming up right now that i see are going to be you know if they can stay healthy they'll they'll be something but you know 15 year old kid kind of in my mind needs to back off a touch and wait till yeah. he's 17 or 18 to start going hard but uh I think it's just on the right, right kind of stock. And, you know, as you guys know, every one of you guys know that confidence is, is the biggest, uh, I don't know, the, the, the biggest part of bull riding. If you don't have confidence, you're not going to, you know, experience that success. And, and so my, in my mind, I try to help these guys succeed along the way, all the way through. So that when they get to the highest level, they, they, uh, they're accustomed to winning and, custom to um staying you know, on you know what i'm saying and, and that's so so to me um guys that don't have the confidence and don't feel like they're um or they haven't experienced dominating it at any level uh when they get to the highest level they, they can't they don't understand it they, they don't know what it's about so you know that's what i try to do i try to just help you guys uh, pull back rain back a little bit and you know, but my whole career, when I was the year I won the world, I got on 192 bulls in competition, and I got on a probably another 60 head of practice bulls. And when I went to the practice pen, I didn't pick the buckingest one. I got on slower, easier types, so I could really work on the things I needed to work on, or felt like I needed to work on from the week before. And so, um, that that's my strategy. That's my philosophy. Uh, you challenge yourself. You challenge yourself some, but at the same time, you uh, you build that confidence and build that uh, where where stuff's just default. You don't even have to think about doing what you got to do to get the get the make the whistle. And, and a lot of people are like, well, how do they, how are they gonna learn how to ride them buckers if they're not getting on buckers? Well, you you get the you get the foundation down, and then what you have it escalates as you as you progress up the ladder. And so um anyway that's just my philosophy and i i stick to that just because i i know that was part you know that was the biggest part of my success um when you when you talk about uh you know waiting not waiting but easing up a little bit till you're 16 or 17 18 do you think it's more important that they that they uh are mentally stronger like is the physical part more important or the mental part like maturing to that age yeah, you, you've got it. You've got to be mentally tough to survive in the, in the sport of bull riding or, or any any sport really. But the mentally tough guys are the ones that that end up making it. You know, you look at you look at the difference between say Tough Hedeman style and and uh, uh, you know, I don't know Cody Lostro. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a, there's a span you know that far apart, but both of them had had that winner mentality and and so. Um, I think the mental tough, the mental toughness is probably, um, probably the, the game changer. Because there's right. a lot of guys that ride good. There's just not there, – there's the guys that aren't mentally tough and can't take the, 
the ups and the downs and all the, all the stuff in between are the guys that, that don't uh, don't go on and, and have a great career, you know. And I mean that that's not that's not the everybody's got their own circumstance, but um, the the guys that succeed got to be mentally tough. Yeah, Cody, you talk about uh, these young kids and and the, there's some good young hands coming up, and we get to watch it because of social media. You know, it's different than 15 years ago and and you know you show up at the high school finals and that's when the chatter starts about the next top gun or something i I gotta ask you i'm sure you've watched paulo's boy ride where where would that kid rank in your mind right now where he's at at his age he's as good as i've ever seen at that age Um, yeah you know and then i mean there there's a lot of guys that fall in that category you can't say i can't say uh He's definitely the best, but he, with my eyes, I, you know, I've watched him quite a bit and, and he's uh, real precise about what he does and he, and he's got a really good work ethic and, and got, got the attitude behind him too, you know? So, I mean, I, I can't say that I've seen anybody better. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you. (laughs) If there is, they better, they better get on social media here and get some Instagram videos. Cause John, you you can just (laughs) watch him get on one every day. Yeah. Yeah. What goes along with that in my mind is, is, uh, is Paulo holding him back a little bit. I, I've talked a little bit to Paulo about it and I've talked to John about it and, you know, I told John, I said, enjoy being a kid while you can, because, yeah, you know, you, I, I just think he's still 15. You know what I'm saying? He's, he's a, he's a phenomenal young man, but he's still just a kid. And, and that's, that's the part that kind of concerns me a little bit that he doesn't get too far ahead of himself. But I think Paulo's doing a pretty good job. I think John talks Paulo into letting him go places sometimes, yeah. but, but uh, <laughs> heck, he's, he's a badass and he knows it. And, yeah. um, it's well, like, and that's, that's group. something new in bull riding. Um, you know, you say that you got to be a kid. So, you know, in the hockey business, we've been preaching that for a decade, how, uh, and I imagine football and baseball with some of, uh, you know, I guess we call them the aggressive parents. These kids are not allowed to be kids. Um, they're playing one particular sport 11 or 11 and a half months of the year, which I think is ridiculous. Like the parents are fucking living through the kids. You know, yeah, hundred percent. They're just pushing them. They're pushing them too far, too fast. And I see that 18, 19 years old, these hockey players that are just, I'm done. I don't want to do it anymore. There's no love of the game anymore. So for the first time, um, I would say you're starting to see that a little bit in bull riding at least in our circles up here, Cody, I don't know if you're seeing it more down there. Um, but yeah, parent, parents need to be handcuffed and left at home sometimes. And, and, you know, send those kids, let them listen to the veterans like yourself, Cody. And, and hopefully they take something away from that, that they don't need to be tried to, you know, they don't need to be entering the velocity tours at 18 years old. They don't have to do that. Yeah. And I, I, you know, my advice to, nearly every kid is, Hey, go rodeo for a few years and kind of mature. And, and, uh, you know, that was, that was my advice to Jess Lockwood when he was a kid, he didn't, you know, he, he was the one that kind of went and went and did something with, you know, skipping that process. But it, I think it's a detriment to a lot of kids that really need that, you know? And so, uh, I mean, you say, there's JB Mooney, there's, I don't know, but JB rodeoed too. People don't know, you know, he, he rodeoed and 
which Jess did too. Jess, Jess won the Montana deal a few times when he was young. And so he, he knew how to rodeo. I just, I just think the mature maturing of the body and, and the, yeah. and the line and all that stuff come together. Um, you know, there's a kid, there's Cannon Cravens. You guys have heard of him. Yep. Yeah. You know, he was like, he was like John when he was 15, he was a badass. And I think his dad pushed him a little too, too much to get on those fucking bulls. And, you know, as, as we know, his, his body's kind of tore up and he's, um, you know, he's come back, nothing against him. I mean, the kid's, the kid's a phenomenal bull rider. And I think he sees it now. He's kind of, he's kind of come back and I seen, I've seen where he's going to some rodeos and going, going like to tough bull ridings and stuff like that right now to get ready to go back to the PBR. And I think he's 21 now or, or no, he's probably older than that. He's probably, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Some, something like that. But anyway, but there, there's a, you know, there, there's not one remedy to the whole thing or there's not one, uh, uh, not everybody has to stay. There's not one answer for everybody. Everybody's got yeah. to do it differently. And, and that's the thing that, you know, I, I give my advice and I kind of hang back and in the, in the end, really nobody gives a crap if you make it or not. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's All right. on you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe your mom and dad and <laughs> or something, but. Hey, but Cody. Really, have you, uh, you're not afraid to, uh, to share your opinions on, on stuff like that, especially like to say contractors or maybe other parents. Have you ever had any battles with, with other parents or like, uh, oh, yeah. associations or anybody that are bringing two rank of shit or do you think you're doing I, I've been very vocal about this. I went to the junior high nationals in 2005 and, uh, my boy was young. He wasn't, he wasn't there yet, but he, that was his plan, you know, and I saw what they were doing and I, it just, it just, it pissed me off, really. I kind of got, I got in, I got in the ass of all them guys that were running the association and pretty much did it the wrong way and kind of lost my influence there. So it took me, took me several years to build, build back up to their trust. And like I've done the, I've done the, um, taking the bulls to the junior high nationals the last five years. Oh, cool. So and, yeah, and nice. they're happy with it. And it's, you know, it's, uh, there's always some, somebody's going to complain, but I'd rather have, I'd rather have the criticism that the bulls aren't too strong as the bulls are too strong. And that's yeah, what, yeah. you know, in the yeah. history of the junior high nationals, uh, until I got there, I don't think they had, I don't think you had to ride two bulls to make the short go up to that point. And every year since I've been there doing it, you've had to ride two, bull, two, two yeah. bulls to make the final. And so in my mind, you know, I did the Little Bridges finals the other day, and they rode 75% of, of the bulls in the junior bull. And uh, that's – I think that's 14 and under. And uh, I can't remember who it was, but just one of my old traveling partners said – I tell you, it was Robbie Keels who it was. It's Cody Keels' dad. Yeah. He, he said, uh, he said, I'll guarantee you there's not one kid that left there not wanting to be a bull rider. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. did my job. Cool. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Building, building, uh, building bull riders. And I agree. I remember I went to the high school finals in 91 or 92 and we got down on there. Few, Scott? You fucking oh, you, you, you have no idea. I dominated. No, <laughs> but we, we get down there and, and we're getting on NFR stock and I'm like, holy shit, I am in way over my head here. Like it was almost like they wanted to see how bad they could wreck kids out. And it wasn't fair because we get on jump kickers up here and head down there and 
uh, it, it, it was scary. It really was. It's gotten, it's gotten way better. You know, I watched the high school finals this year and kind of had a little influence with, with the national board and stuff. We had some meetings with them and stuff. And I, I thought, I thought this year was really good. There was one set of bulls in there that I was shook my head at that they brought, but other than that, I thought it was really good. It, yeah. It was, good. Yeah. It is hard now too. Cause everybody's, nobody keeps those things around anymore. Right. Every, everybody's programs are bred to buck and breed the best ones in the world. I've been guilty of it. Bucking fucking honky cats for maybe guys that weren't ready for it. And on the bull side of it, uh, you know, you're trying to get your bulls trips on them as young bulls too. And they may be only two or three years old. They're small, but they buck through their ass. Right. So I think it's, it is key to keep, like you say, Cody, keep some of those other ones around to build the riders in it and not just be so, dead focused on which i'm i'm 100 guilty of just keeping the good ones and bucking my good ones because i don't want to feed anything that's not very good but it's not great for the riders also there's a lot of guys doing that now they they see the value in that so I, it's pretty good i mean i just i've been vocal since 2005 so that's what 16 years i've been i've been talking about it i've pissed a lot of people off and and uh but on the other hand there's a lot of people that are seeing um seeing that the, the the mindset that I have is um, is what's best for for growing them up and and yeah. getting them to 18, 19 years old, and then go be a real bull rider. So speaking of the speaking of youth and, and uh, getting people into the sport and growing them the right way, what was your path into the into the sport there, CC rider? You uh, grew up in a rodeo family. Was bull riding always number one, or what was your your upbringing and, and youth and getting into the sport well, like? I. Uh, my my uncle was getting on a bull uh when my mom was pregnant with me and uh he got knocked out and she jumped off the bleachers to go help him and she went into labor so I've been- <laughs> 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 not bad i like that <laughs> uh, now nah, i just you know i started getting on calves when i was about five years old and, and uh just we had a rope and arena like i said before and and uh I got on a lot of calves and then graduated up the steers and, and, um, it was just, it was just part of me. I honestly, I wanted to be a bareback rider. My uncle rode bareback horses and, and, uh, I just, I really loved the sport of bareback riding and went all, you know, through high school and, and went to college and filled my permit in the bareback riding and the bronc riding. And, uh, about, about the mid, midway of my rookie year i was doing all three i was riding all three rough stock and i just started kicking their butts in the bull riding and left my left my saddle and my rigging at home so but but i've been you know i've been around it my whole life and uh, my dad got my dad had a horse uh horse wreck in 1980 and broke his neck and and so i was i was uh, uh see i was just before my 15th birthday and uh so i kind of had to grow up and kind of be the man of the house for for a while and so i had you know i had jobs on the side and i always had money in my pocket and so uh, you know i think the value in that was just i got a work ethic and and anytime i could go uh go to a jackpot or whatever i had the money to go and didn't have to worry about somebody paying my way or whatever so i i kind of took care of myself i i see a lot of kids that don't you know don't fit that same role and i i tell kids like go get a job you know get yourself put some money away and uh but but it seems to me like a lot of them just a lot of them don't don't do it that way but but i i'm seeing 
lot of them that do, you know, there, there's, yeah. there's a little kid named Wasey Shala down here in Oklahoma that he shoes horses with his dad. I mean, he's, he's a little badass. He's 15 and, <laughs> you know, he's going to be somebody in the sport. And he started riding bareback horses now and kind of rides bareback horses pretty good. Cool. So it's kind of fun to see all these young, there's, there's, there's a ton of little young guys that just, just make my heart happy, you know? Yeah. Speaking of young guys, Cody, I know you're, you're, how old's Brett now? 21, 22? Yeah. 23. So uh, you talk about holding kids back. I ran and I hung out with Brett at the NFR one year when uh, him and Stetson Wright were hanging around at the, the D downtown yeah. there. Um, obviously both of them, either of them were old enough I'm to sure ride at that time. I'm sure they were behaving right. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was making, I was making sure of it. I was looking after him. So what could go wrong? There you go. Um, how, how, how tough was it to hold him back? Like, did you, or did you kind of have it instilled in him at a young age? This is going to be the path for you here, Brett. Yeah. It, you know, like his sixth grade year of junior high, I, I didn't let him go to the rodeos. I didn't, I didn't let him junior high rodeo and all his buddies were, and he wasn't very happy about it, but um i just i held him back and then same deal with this freshman year of high school i didn't let him go to i didn't let him go to state i i i had the bulls at, at region one of texas is where we rodeoed because we live right right next to the panhandle of texas and so i took the stock to those so i knew what was there but i didn't let him go to state he qualified for state but didn't get to go i don't know if he he doesn't hate me for it, so. <laughs> but actually, when he was 17, I, I took him. We, we went to a bunch of amateur rodeos, and uh, he qualified for their finals and all that stuff. And then, you know, when he cracked out on his permit, I don't, I don't know how much money he won. He won quite a bit of money on his permit. And then, and then his rookie year, he broke his jaw. He was, he was uh, I think he was 22nd in the world. He's kind of doing good. Went to Cheyenne and uh, rode his first bull. And when he was getting off, bull clipped him under the chin and broke his jaw, punctured his ear canal, and Oof. man, it messed him up for uh, probably the rest of that year. When he finally came back, he was he wasn't he wasn't there, you know. And then he took off road, you know, took off rodeo on the next year. And and at Cheyenne, the, the very next year, same thing. He broke his jaw. Bull bull jerked him down, knocked him out, broke his jaw. So. Jesus. He's had some. He's had some rough time last last year um, at Prescott. He tore his knee up, so he had surgery on that. He cracked back out uh, the first of May in the second rodeo he went to. He dislocated his shoulder, so he's nursing that, you know, now, and uh, he'll he'll be released in October, I think. So, um, but it's kind of it's kind of hard for a dad to watch his kid. You know, he's got his he's got a lot of talent, much the the kids that are you know, that you're reading about right now. And uh, he does you just have to sit, sit home and watch him, you know, which, which probably be good for him. I, you know, and like I told him, he's like, after this last deal, he's like, man, I don't get it, dad. And I said, you ain't supposed to get it, buddy. I said, you, you just got to get mentally tough mm-hmm. and be prepared physically when you, you come back. Well, and, and uh, he's got the talent. He looks the part. He dresses the part. Like that's what I, I noticed about him the first time I met him, Cody. And obviously that's a, that's the tip of the hat to how you guys raise that young man. Um, I want to know about the helmet thing. I've seen Brett ride in a helmet and I've seen him ride in one or not in the helmet probably more often. So where, what's your take on that one? You know, he rode with the helmet from the very start and uh, he chose to, 
start getting on with that. I, I'm not a helmet, uh, 100% helmet fan in, in the fact that um, it, it puts weight on your head and it just, but on the other hand, you know, you, you take guys like Brent Thurman and, and guys, guys that have died from head injuries. Jeff Crockett was one of my best friends and he got killed in 88, you know, bull stepped on him. And uh, so what I do like about them is they deflect the, you know, deflect a direct hook from a guy's head. But I, I think those helmets have kind of a little bit, um, I like when you're, when I was young, you got to run your knees up in there and keep, keep yourself from getting popped in the, in the chin. I just don't think they, I don't think they understand that really. Cause they've got a helmet on and they're not, not worried about it so but as you can see i got lots of scars on my chin so <laughs> so anyway it's i'm, I'm not a i'm not a, you know i'm not a anti-helmet guy but on the other side i you know if a guy chooses not to ride with one i understand why so yeah definitely Cody, the, you talk about your, your son and then you always go back to the, to the youth and you're always trying to develop these kids and make sure that they're not getting um, injured or, or doing it the wrong way. And I know this, this might be deep, but I want to talk to you about it. And you lost a, a son. And is that maybe in a way why you're, why you're trying to help these young guys and, and the reason for um, – you know, being adamant on that side of it, knowing the, knowing what can happen? Well, I mean, it, it has, it has nothing to do with Aaron. Aaron died in a car wreck. Um, no. he, he was a calf roper and a team roper. And uh, actually yesterday was 10 year anniversary of his death. So that kind of, uh, that, that, it went by fast and it crawled at the same time. But, right. you know, yeah. now I, I think, I think it's just the sport. Like I, I love the sport. I've loved it from the time that I, was a little kid and um you know and I, my boy brett he he loves it and 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 i just saw that in him and so that kind of that kind of put me in the position to um to be an advocate for you know for safety and and bringing them up right and stuff like that but um you know i guess well like i said when i saw when i saw what was happening at the junior high level it just, it, it just really appalled me. And, yeah. you know, I, I about got beat up that day. But... <laughs> yeah. But I, 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 I think the best, I think the best part about that is you're appalled by it, but you just didn't sit back and bitch about it and whine and moan. You did something about it. That's the yeah. best part. That's exactly what I, that's exactly what I say. I've put my money where my mouth is and I've been yeah. all little bulls around for 15 years or, you know, maybe, maybe 12 years. And, and they eat you out of house and home, <laughs> but I love it. And, uh, you know, it, we, we've got the, we've got the opportunity in the facility to do it. So, um, and, and there's a lot of other guys doing it down here in this part of the country. And, and, uh, so I'm excited to kind of be teamed up with those guys. We, we've done a lot of stuff, you know, we did the, we did the junior high finals, um, the junior NFR, the little Bridges finals and, uh, a deal at Guthrie, Oklahoma called the world championship, uh, world championship junior rodeo. And, uh, 
So it's, it's kind of cool to see a bunch of these young guys and then, and then a bunch of bull guys that are doing the right stuff too. So, yeah, cool. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you can't get it perfect every time, but we've been sure done a good job. Me and Luke, Luke Shala is Wasty's dad. And, uh, he's done the same thing. He just, he's invested in it. And, and, uh, and so we're, you know, we've got a little, I call it a little gang. There's a little gang of bull riders that are from about 11 years old to, to 17 that are just badasses <laughs> tearing it up well you said it though with with the genetics and and the work going into raising these bucking cattle now we need uh <laughs> we need some good bud lines in this bull rider and the riding too. side of things yeah no doubt fan of bucking bulls like i love watching them watching the best bulls buck but at the same time i want to see i want to see some kids that get there because there's been a lot of kids pushed pushed aside you know uh that have gone by the wayside because of this very thing that i'm talking about you know yeah. a lot of kids that had yeah. great potential um nobody ever heard of them and, and uh so that's kind of my goal is to these guys that are these kids that really got the heart for it and really have the work ethic and stuff like that I, i'm excited to see what's going to happen here in the next six eight ten years you know heck yeah you know, with uh, COVID up here in Canada, um, and you know what, Scott and Tanner can attest to this, we've seen some young guys really step up here in the last 16 months that may, uh, may or may not have had an opportunity because when the border was open, you know, we always have eight or 10 guys from the U.S. coming up and competing up here with the money we have. Obviously, the points count for the world finals. So a lot of those guys from the Northwest would, would travel to Canada instead of, you know, Texas, Maine, or wherever those velocity events are. That's not, that's not happening right now. And uh, I'm pretty impressed with the kids we have. Uh, um, and, and personally, we haven't really had a lot to do with that path for them. Um, and we, we should be trying to do more. Um, I, I know Tanner, you feel real strongly about it with the Kai Posbon Foundation. Um, and helping making sure these these young bull riders have an opportunity to to have the right help when it comes to medical care and whatnot but um, we need a guy like you up here Cody looking after some of these young bull riders well I tell you what uh, me and Austin Beasley have had some conversation about that and uh, and he's kind of he he's got he's got it on his mind so that's kind of exciting and yeah totally my I could, you know. Hell, I don't know if I can get across the border now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think there. I think it went well for uh, the other way for quite a while there, where it was just all about the bulls, and everybody kind of forgot about the guys. And then we were really short on guys, and it was like, oh shit, we got great bulls, but now we don't got anybody that can even or enter. Yeah. You know, you don't even have guys to fill a bull ride because you've wiped a lot of them out. So I think it's going back the other way, which is good to see. Well, but has good school up there every year, right? In your you and your dad yeah we do a school yeah bull riding bullfighting school and stuff we haven't for the last wow almost two years now with everything that's been on going on with covid and stuff but yeah we're getting back to them and same thing just trying to to, to do it the right way as well like jason talked with the type osmond foundation and making sure that guys are taking care of themselves and a lot of it is uh physical health but a lot of it is just you know preparation and taking care of your taking care of yourself on the road as you know cody it's it's a grind and when you're young and you're more worried about the bars and 
the the girls you're not really thinking about uh having a water after you get off your bull you're more worried about how many bud lights you can ram in your guts i'm fucking 100 guilty of it right i like the the good times more than anybody but that's kind of a part of it with the foundation is is taking care of yourself treating yourself like a athlete especially in the bull riding side of things where if you don't your your career is going to be really short with the caliber of bulls nowadays yeah there's plenty of distractions out there and that you know that's i talked to i talk to those kids at, at my schools and I, you know, I tell them, I tell them, you know, I, hell, I used to be, I used to be wild. And, you know, I smoke pot and, you know, chase girls and drink and all that stuff. And I, I remember the day that I, I realized that smoking weed was taken away from what I wanted to do. And, and, uh, you know, so I share that story with them. Hey, I'm guilty of it. I, you know, mm-hmm. but when I, you know, when I decided I was going to stray, you know, pull away from that, and and not not too many years after that i quit drinking i i just i didn't drink for 10 years i never drank a drop you know i just um i was just dedicated to being a being an athlete you know and so um you know there's nothing wrong with having a little bit of fun but man if you if you let it be a distraction it'll, it'll take away from you and so that's i talked to him a lot about that and you think, is that why you didn't is that why you did stop say smoking weed or or drinking and shit like uh, that not because you didn't not because it was like taking over or it was it was something that was um taking over your life but because you knew that bull riding was number one and that was standing in the way of of the success right. that you could have as a bull rider yeah that that's exactly right they um I, you know i the the smoking weed stuff was just it was just like an aha moment i was in billings montana on a porch at, you know, I saw a billion stars up in the sky. How's like, <laughs> a motherfucker? <laughs> feeling your dream. And, yeah. and that, that's, that's where that was. Uh, as far as my, as far as my drinking, uh, my buddy got killed in 1988, Jeff Crockett. And uh, I had, I had a spiritual awakening and just kind of gave my life to the Lord and kind of decided that drinking wasn't, wasn't really Part of it to what I what I was trying to accomplish, and so I quit drinking. And um, I was a dumbass when I was drinking, so I, I decided it was <laughs> probably better that I uh, that I go back from that. But but uh, honestly, I, I think that was that was when everything changed for me right there when I really got serious about riding bulls. And I'd made the finals a couple times, and and uh, you know it was well it was after Jeff got killed in '88, so um, so about 89s when I quit drinking and, and really got uh, really got totally serious about my bull riding and of course that you know if you know the history of my career that's when I started well yeah I was just gonna say yeah how many ram titles world title in 92 and didn't you win um did you win three ram titles consecutively yeah. yes sir yep 90 90 91 92 I was I was the dodge champ or yeah that's a big deal that was the, well Prior to PBR, that was the second best thing to a world title, I guess, besides a Pendleton win or a Calgary Stampede win. Yeah, there was there was uh, you know, the the Bull Riders only came along in in '91, and uh, it, it was pretty much standalone type uh, type bull riding events. And there was a few, there was always a few of them, but um, like a series came along, and, and it just I didn't go in '91 just because I wasn't invited. I was. Uh, there was a little discrepancy between the leadership and myself, but, um, was it because of bull power? <laughs> you know, it was basically, it was basically the contract they wanted me to sign, which pretty much gave my, 
rights to my name over to the bull riders okay. that. so yeah but uh i got invited in 92 because uh uh cody lambert asked me one day how come i didn't go to him and i i said well i'm not invited and he said why are you not invited i said i wouldn't sign their contract and and uh he and i guess tough and jim and Ty and all those guys told them that if I wasn't invited, they weren't coming. Oh, and nice. So I got to go. Uh, and that, that really is, that really is kind of a, a staple in, in my part of the story of how the PBR actually yeah. started. Because it was, we stuck together and, and there was, there was power in numbers and, you know, the promoters were making all the money and just giving us a little bit of crumbs. And, and so we saw that, you know, we're trying to make a living riding bulls and 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 so we kind of stuck together and it was it was a it was a positive thing you know well you, you see it now i mean <laughs> little millionaires running around all over <laughs> yeah. yeah we've all we've all benefited from it on this on this uh podcast here like it's been our life you know i'm yeah. 20 shit you guys know cody custer made it to saskatoon for a touring pro oh yep. i don't even know 2001 year, yeah. 2002 maybe you're having a tough go there cody i remember and it all turned around if i recall it all turned around i think you whipped their ass in thief river and that was one of the biggest touring pros back in those days did you not win that event and get right back on tour and make the finals that year yeah i got i got cut i got cut from the cups um which is uh i i had, had see i'm trying to think if i uh, it was when i hurt my i hurt my uh ankle had surgery on my ankle after the pbr finals uh perfect storm rolled over did his little alligator roll in the bucket shoot and tore my ankle up and so i had surgery and then when i came back i just i, I wasn't riding very good and i got cut from the tour and then i took off like you said i i won thief river falls and and uh shucks i can't i won bismarck i won i i, I kicked their ass that had a great june july <laughs> yeah 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 Oh, yeah. Thief River, I think Thief River, uh, it might it might have paid like fourteen thousand back then to win that event. BJ Cramps, that's where BJ Cramps never looked back. He was yeah. sitting at the Morris Manitoba yeah, Rodeo, yeah. and uh, he's it's like, all- "Shit, I can get in, I can get in." I'm like, "Go, go, get some piece of shit in the bull ride in in Morris." And I'm like, "What no. are you doing here? Eight eighteen hundred? He went, and he never came back. That's good." Speaking of BJ Krabs, uh, that's a, a friend of yours, Cody. I know traveling partner at one point. I want to go back to the early days of, say, 86, 87, when you started going, uh, the, the legends of yourself and uh, Lane Frost, Tough Edeman. Who, were, who, who did you kind of hop in with and, and travel with off the, the get-go that was maybe a helper for you? Well, I – I traveled uh, in my rookie year was 1985 and, and I traveled with a guy that wasn't, wasn't really in it for the right reasons. Maybe, I don't know. And that, that was uh, 1986. I got in with, uh, with Bobby Del Vecchio and Glenn McIlvain. Damn. And uh, I started rodeoing with them in the spring of 86. And it was really good for me because I was around those guys that had experienced success and both of them were, you know, cocky Texans, I guess, I don't <laughs> but, but they were badasses and they knew it and they kind of, and so that rubbed off on me. Like I learned how to win. And, uh, and then, um, 87, uh, I'm trying to think 
kinda I kinda jumped around. I, I rodeoed with a guy named Art Watson from California and we were pretty tight friends. And then uh and then in nineteen eighty eight I got I got to get in with Ted Noose and, and rodeo with Ted. And you know, yeah. if you know Ted, he's the most positive guy on the planet. And I learned a lot of stuff from him and and uh and just being you know, living with him and staying around him and rodeoing with him and understanding the whole sport in a different way. Yeah. And then, uh, and then 89, I can't, I can't remember. I've had so many traveling partners, but I, um, I, I've gotten to, you know, I got to be around, uh, tough and lane and Jim and, and Clint Bronger and, mm-hmm. you know, guys like that, um, uh, early in my career. And, you know, Jim was a guy that, we all heard about Jim before he even showed up because he was kicking their ass in the jackpots and the amateur deals down in Texas, you know, and, and you hear about this kid and he, Jim didn't say 10 words, you know, he just real quiet, but, but, uh, I saw he spurred every bull he got on. I mean, when he was young, he could, he could do it. It just, it really inspired me. Him and I are the same age. Um, he came along the year after I did 86 was his rookie year. And of course he went to the NFR and, and uh, I he might have he win the average that year, probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, probably. What year? Might well say that, huh? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. He won, <laughs> didn't he rattle? Yeah, he rode all ten in '88. '88, yep. Wow. Yeah. Hey, what was okay, uh, what so was Bobby Delvecchio like? Wait, I gotta okay. get this one quick. Yeah, yeah, go go for it. For people that don't know, Bobby Delvecchio grew up in the Bronx, right, New York. Yeah, it was his. That was the biggest story. Was it didn't come from rodeo or however it worked out. But uh, what was what was he? I, that's somebody that I've never met, never heard much about. What is what's uh, obviously his legend, like his status. You know what he is. But what was he like as a as a guy? Different than all the other I, guys. He he was a guy that. Uh, well, they call him the Italian stallion, just like big ego, and and he walked around with his freaking shoulders pulled back and you know, whatever. He's yeah. kind of like him and him, like, like Cody Snyder's. I was just going <laughs> to say, like, how are them two in the same but car that, together? That's uh. what made those guys. That's what made those guys. They, they believed in themselves so much that he, whatever, whatever, uh, whatever downfalls they had in their, maybe their riding, they made up for in their confidence and they're just like, Hey, that's how it's gotta be. You know, I, I remember, I remember an interview, Cody Snyder, getting on uh mr t at at uh cheyenne and he's like he's uh he's like i don't remember how he stated it but pretty much he's gonna stomp that bull down and he said that's just how it is that's just the way it is you know yeah, yeah. he didn't ride him but he was damn sure there for the reason yeah. but, uh, but i learned you know i learned some attitude and learned learned some some traveling things from them guys and you know i mean so along the way in the process, I think all these young guys, all the older guys, you know, really need to feed into the younger guys and, and teach them what they can. And, and the one, you know, the ones that um, are in it for a career are going to take what they hear and, and do something with it. And yeah. so that, and that's what I, I was, I was going to rodeo for a living from the time I was, you know, as far back as I can remember. And so, I took everything in and, and learned along the way. And I mean, I, I had so many things growing up that, that fed into that. Um, you know, I knew Larry Mahan when I was a little kid, my uncle rodeoed with in that era. And so I knew all those guys, Jack Ward, uh, 
DJ Walt, all those guys were, were my heroes. And, and uh, I actually got to travel with Jack and TJ when I was 15. I went, I went for three weeks with them and just traveled and got on Mount Out Bulls and met Denny Flynn and, you know, met, that's where I met Del Vecchio and um, just, just met a bunch of my heroes and got, got to ride at the same rodeos as they did. Did TJ do you any favors once he was with the PRCA later on? Did he did he make sure you got your preference back in those days? I don't no, I don't think TJ was like that. I think he's, uh, <laughs> I think he's pretty. I guarantee he wasn't. I, 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 I even got to know TJ. I got a good story about TJ. I, I I grew up around him a little bit, you know, but I didn't know much. When I got in that in that truck with him and Jack Ward, I was so scared of TJ. He he was just a grumpy old piss head you know and uh, but what's funny is that guy that guy was one of one of the guys i really looked up to like he was he was a guy i learned i learned a few things from him while i was rodeo and just watching him or you know when i went that summer with him and uh jack was always the you know he was the, the buddy buddy and and, J and tj was like the dad you know and so <laughs> but uh those guys were they were part of the Bud Light six pack back then they had two bronc riders, two bareback riders, and two bull riders that were on this <laughs> Bud or it was, it was Budweiser, it wasn't Bud Light, it was Budweiser. And so those guys would uh they would they would stop before the rodeo and get a case of beer and ice it down, you know. And so if I wasn't getting on a practice or a mount out bull that night, I was over there drinking beer during the bareback riding. <laughs> and so fifteen year old kid. And uh, anyway, when I when I got inducted into the Hall of Fame, I told that story, and and I, I told Jack, I said, hey, I, I owe you a few beers. By the way. <laughs> <laughs> Had them all done before they got back. <laughs> my mom and dad, my mom and dad let me go with them guys that summer. It just it was from that summer on that that's all I that's all I was gonna do, and uh, I didn't let you know I didn't let the the lifestyle and the parties and the girls and all that stuff. I didn't let them. I didn't let that stuff uh take me away from always going forward with my goals you know and, and what i wanted to do in sport yeah which leads to a 1992 world championship dream come <laughs> true everything you worked for in your life can you walk us through like the emotions or what was it like to to finally have that that dream come true after you you sound you know so dedicated to it you you did everything you could in the sport outside of the arena to make sure that you got to that level when you finally got that world championship was it just the, the biggest monkey off your back or what was that what were those emotions like so um 1991 was kind of a big year for me uh, in, in my confidence i i uh i left the nfr after uh winning the 10th round on on wolfman i was 94 points on wolfman and not bad um not bad <laughs> i, I got, got beat up the night before and had to go to the emergency room and i there was there was four bulls that I was going to get on because I was not feeling very good and he was one of them. So yeah, uh, thankfully I drew him and it you know I, um, you know though the the old story is uh, Croy Dunn rode Pacific Bell that oh, day and I yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but I don't you know I when I I did some interviews afterwards and Tough won the world that year and so when I when I went back to the um, when I bit, went back to the locker room, it was just me and Tuff's bag in there, and Tuff was still doing some interviews. And I remember Tuff loaned me five hundred dollars one time when I was broke, and uh, 
So I just wrote him a little note and put it in his rigging bag. Just said, Hey man, thanks for believing in me. You know, you're part of, part of my success. And I don't remember what else I put on there, but, um, at that moment right there, I knew I was going to be the world champion in 92. When I left there, I was coming back next year to get the gold buckle. And, uh, I had a, I had a pretty good successful, uh, winner. I won second at Denver, which that's the only time I ever placed at Denver, I think, but, um, placed it, placed in some rounds at Fort Worth and Houston and won Tucson. And so I, I had pretty good start and, uh, uh, David Fournier, see, I think Clint Bronger was probably winning the world. David Fournier was right there, and I was right there. And uh, I won Salinas that year. And um, when I when I won Salinas, it put me in the lead for the world title, and I never I never went back to second. Yeah, I stayed I stayed really? the, lead the whole the whole rest of the time. But I got in in the in the in the fall that year or actually it was the first of August. Um, Jerome Davis was a rookie and, uh, he got in with me and David Fournier and we had Myron DeWart with us and, uh, oh, yeah. and Myron from the first, from the first week of August, which eight Oklahoma, I think was the first rodeo we went to together. When we left, when we left, uh, Pendleton, Oregon, we had won over $50,000 in that pickup. And that back in the day, that was, that was doing something. And, uh, you know, I talked to Jerome and Jerome just said, he said, man, I don't remember ever seeing you hit the ground. Like you said, I don't remember you getting bucked off that summer. And I, I don't, I don't know exactly what, uh, what rodeo it might've been or not, but, but, uh, I got on 192 bulls that year in competition and I rode 174. So it was oh. a great year, man. It was, uh, but you know, um, riding percentages are just one thing, but it just like, I was, I would win on bulls that weren't supposed to be that good. And it just, everything fell in place. It was just, you know, I won, I won Pendleton. I won Salinas. What else? Did I, I won the cow palace that year. So, um, I won three really major rodeos in the second half of the year that just, catapulted me up there and kept me you know kept me in the lead and then i went to the finals and i won i won four go rounds and second in another go round yeah. and uh just you know it's just worked out dream year so you so you give tough as 500 bucks back <laughs> <laughs> yeah i gave it back I, actually I, I think i think you gave me that money at at uh at all lake city and uh um, I think I paid him back after Medicine Hat, one Medicine Hat. Oh, good old Canadian rodeo. Yeah, there you go. Right, yep. No, no outdoor rodeo out there. It was, yeah. a, muddy mess. It was a muddy mess. Not, yeah. So you, you give it to him Canadian funds then. There you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good work. No, so but quite, you know, stuff like that, just things like that really mean something in your career. Sure. You know? A guy like that really believing in you and saying, hey, you know, you just pay me back when you can. And I paid him back pretty quick, which thankfully. Um, but, you know, you got guys like Happy Barrett was was a guy that did some things for me that, that really boosted my career and boosted my confidence. And 
So you remember those people along the way that, um, that, and, and there, I could start naming a lot of them, but, mm-hmm. um, there, there's just so many people that feed into what happens in your career. And, yeah. and thankfully, you know, thankfully I had the parents I had and, and, and had the opportunities to get, you know, get in the rig with some guys that were real winners and, um, David Fournier, in my mind, was was the best thing that happened in my career. Really? Yeah, yeah. Me and Dave, uh, me and David and Jerome and Myron would we just talk bull riding all, and we watched each other. You know, and we nitpicked and and if you know David very good, he's he's a pushy little son of a buck. But yeah. <laughs> why he makes such a good shoe very boss? Very opinionated too. Yeah. But uh, and we we had a good we had a good summer. He. I'd like to choke him every once in a while when we're, when we're rodeoing, just other, other than that, man, his, his influence in my riding was big key to my success that year. Damn. And Jerome, oh, Davis. we yeah. got, the, we got the little kid in there that I remember the first time I saw Jerome was at the college down in, in Odessa. And I just stopped by there. I can't remember. Uh, I can't remember what we were doing, but we were, we were just swung by the arena. They were practicing. This kid gets on this bull. I'm like, who is that? I said, oh, he's from North Carolina. I said, that boy's going to be somebody. Wow. Yeah, sure was. We've asked a few of our, our bull riding legends um, that we've had on the pod. And you've been around here, Cody. I don't want to date you here, pal, but probably four decades of bull riders you've been able to watch. Who who would you put up there? I know it's. I don't want to put you on the spot here, but who would you set yeah. apart as the number one guy you ever watched? I mean, that, that's a, that's a loaded question because there's too many guys in the mix. Mm -hmm. Um, as far as, um, as far as proper bull riders, I'm going to say Jim Sharp was saw through my whole, you know, I saw his whole career. Um, just just real proper. Um, yourself included on that though, proper, like proper form, especially away from your hand. You're best Cody, right? You Clint Bronger. I always put up there. yeah, I, I copied Jim Sharp and Clint Bronger. Okay, here's, here, okay, I'm going to add a second part to that question. Best guy you ever watched, traveled with, competed against in the last what, four decades that didn't win a major title. That's an easy one. Yeah. What is it? I already said his name. Yeah, I already said it. Clint Bronger. <laughs> Clint was the guy. Clint, Clint and myself and David Fournier were the, the three going for that title in 92 so those and i get jim was in there too i mean i guess everybody was in there but i think i think clint was probably the guy to beat and well i want to touch on what tanner just said cody um i've had the pleasure of knowing you since you come up here to that event whatever 20 years ago and and (laughs) always had the pleasure running into you at the pbr world finals at the odd event that that cleat would have me down to and and i don't know if we want to use the word ambassador uh, hero, role model, whatever it is, but um, you know, you had that aura about you that um, I personally can say I always took something back, um, made me want to be better if it was producing events. You know, even from how you looked when you walked out of the hotel room in Las Vegas and how you behaved, you know, for certain hours of the day. Um, I, I truly believe the world of bull ride needs more ambassadors or more veteran guys like yourself to pass on the knowledge that um you know that you learned the hard way it wasn't always the easy way it was the hard way and and i still enjoy 
last time I got to visit with you, we were sitting along the fence at the, the global cup in Arlington and, and it was, it was excellent. Like, it's just, you know, guy like me, I'm just a sponge absorbing it all what comes out of your mouth. Cause it makes sense. And uh, I wish we could get you up here and, and have you teach some of these kids, um, you know, the basics and not just about when you're tying your hand in the rope, but it's getting to the event. It's getting home from the event. It's, it's everything in between. Yeah. There, there's a lot, you know, there's a lot that goes into it and it, you, you gotta, I think for me is I just, I dedicated myself to making a living riding bulls. And I don't think a lot of guys do that. I think a lot of guys ride bulls and, you know, fortunately yeah. for me, it worked out. I put all my eggs in one basket. Um, but I, I think, I think guys, if you decide you're going to make a living riding bulls, go make a living riding bulls. Not that I didn't have to stop and work from time to time, but you know, I was a bull rider from sun up to sundown, you know, I, right. I was, um, you know, 24 seven, I'm a bull rider. And, you know, I even tell kids like, like when I unhook my gooseneck from my truck, I still, I still act like I'm getting off of a bull when I jump out of the back of my truck. Good get off. Good get off. Yeah. The, the, Everything the, eats, the, sleep and breathe it. Yeah. The sport, the, the sport is a, at a better place as a result of that decision you made, Cody. I mean it. And if yeah. you uh, dig through Cody's Facebook, you can see him jumping on one. I think that was last summer, wasn't it? Well, the last, the last bull I got on was November before last. And, uh, I, I did it on a little bit of a dare from Trey Kimsey was talking a little smack to me. <laughs> and I, I brought a bunch of bulls over to Clay Taylor's house and they were just going to have a little buck out. And he, uh, he said, you entered old man. And I said, nah, nah, not really. And he, he, he uh, used a couple of words that uh, made me pull my wallet out and ask what the fees were. So yeah. <laughs> I will say, I will say that Trey Kimsey did not beat me that day. Yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, right on. Yeah. What, what happened is, is, uh, I, this bull turned back into my hand and I just, I spurred him, you know, and I actually had a roping spur on my right foot and a bull riding spur on my left foot. Cause I knew the bull was going to go left. <laughs> my knee swelled up and I was for about two weeks and I was like, man, that's enough. I'm done. <laughs> Uh, was it tough for you when you left, Cody, when you did retire? I know you went uh, a lot, long career, right? You were 38, I think, when you retired? When I retired. So so I, I cracked out that year. Um, that would have been 2003. And I won second at Uncasville and, and uh, New Orleans. I might have won second there. But anyway, I was second in the world behind Chris Shivers. And uh, we, we showed up at Fort Worth and – uh, that was the the day of the bloodbath. Everybody got wiped out that day. It's unbelievable all the, all the injuries and stuff. But um, I I broke a transverse uh, process off of my neck that day, mm -hmm. and so I had to set out for um, a couple of months. And when I came back, first one I came back to was Colorado Springs, and and uh, I had an old bull called Rooster that. If you if you're a sport of the, or a fan of the sport, you probably remember that name. But he was a bull that I got on three times and never did get him rode. But he jumped forward in the chute and and smacked smacked my head up against the chute, split my eye open, and so they 
patched me up and I got, I got on him. He bucked me off. And the very next bull riding was in, uh, was in, uh, Nampa, Idaho. And I just was kind of struggling. And I remember, I remember just getting on, getting on, just thinking, man, I wish I was home. Kind of had that, yeah. that mentality. And, uh, the cameraman, that bull was kind of, he's kind of snorting at everything. So I told the cameraman, I said, hold still, don't, don't move. And so I slid up there and nodded. And when I, when I nodded, that cameraman stuck the camera down there in the bull's face and the, the bull, you know, jumped up at the camera and turned out backwards and strung me out and I hung up, hurt my elbow. And out of, uh, I just jumped up on the back of the shoots and I, I pushed the cameraman. <laughs> And pretty much said, what part of it don't move, you know? And I kind of made an ass out of myself. It, it actually, the camera hit the guy in the eye. And, and uh, you did the, the Dennis Rodman kicking the cameraman yeah, when he said, I mean, you know, and, and I mean, it, it's a little bit embarrassing that I, that I acted that way. But at that point, I was done. I, I, I wasn't, um, I wasn't loving the sport like I, like I should be. And, you know, I went and apologized to the cameraman himself and the, and the director and, and everything. And, and, uh, I made all that right, you know, as, as best I could. And I called my wife that night. I said, I'm done. And, uh, she said, what do you mean? I said, I, I just don't love it. Like I used to. And, uh, so I went home and, and made my decision to go ahead and finish out the season. So I got to go to the PBR finals for my ninth time, ninth trip oh, cool. to the Panels, which was cool, but um, and, and so, you know, I I say I I tell that just because I'm I'm not you know I'm not a guy that tries to hide a bunch of stuff because I I did kind of make an ass out of myself and it and it really embarrassed me, and and just thinking back I was I was thinking about my my family you know I was like I wish I was home you know I wasn't really there, and so um, that's when I decided to. And, and then I, I had to reevaluate if I was going to finish out the year, how I was going to do it. And I, I did finish out the year. I, I could still ride, but it wasn't an everyday deal. I, I made some really good rides and placed at some good bull ridings. And, and, uh, but, uh, you know, I, I finished off, finished off a great career kind of on my own terms, which yeah. some guys, ha some guys haven't had that luxury. And, you know, that was the same year that Bo Lindley broke his neck yeah and, you know, Bo, Bo went into retirement <laughs> out of necessity I, yeah. I retired on my own terms and, and it was a very emotional um it was very emotional because me and Bo traveled together and I was there and you know with him in the hospital and and so the whole thing was pretty emotional that year and and uh, I left I rode one out of, I rode one out of five at the PBR finals and 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 uh anyway Calder. Yeah. That, that was about four less than I should have. <laughs> <laughs> well, I remember there wasn't a person sitting down in the Thomas and Mac when you got off that last one. Well-deserved. Yeah, Well-deserved. Yeah, well yeah it, it was a good deal. And that, and that stuff, it's emotional to, it's emotional to make that decision, but um, I had to make that decision just because, you know, my age and, and my my passion for being out there and, and doing it was pretty much pulled back. So on to bigger and better things. Damn right. 
Yeah, they did her. Oh man, we could keep you here. I got still pages and pages. I got a bunch of good stories from Sean Weesey too that I didn't even get into with you oh, yet. I got a good story on Sean Weesey. Perfect. Let's do it. I got one about the, about a, a if you ever been in a fight because of the feather in your hat was was the was one of the good ones I got from it. But I want to hear yours. I'm gonna have to hear that one again. We were at the we were at the NFR and this must have been in in ninety uh, excuse me in eighty eighty eight. Uh, 87 maybe first year I made the final maybe maybe 88 87 88 I don't know but uh Sean and I were at the at the old frontier and we just walked around the deal and, and Marty Standard was uh, <laughs> he was across the deal and and uh, he was playing cards and Marty been drinking a little bit and he and, and he put his elbow on the on the table and his elbow slipped off and I said I said have another beer Martin and then I just stepped behind this pillar. Well, Sean, he's standing there by himself. And Marty, he just eyeballs him for a second. He goes, why don't you kiss my ass? <laughs> Marty, Sean, Sean, he's just like a little 18-year-old kid. He just And he's there by himself. It's, it just, I just, I kind of threw him under the bus. It was pretty funny. <laughs> now, me and Sean, me and Sean go way back. He's in my wedding. I was in his wedding. So we, we've been good friends for a long time. That's good. He did send that one, too. That was on the list, the marty steiner stories that's a good one well scott's got our infamous question for you here before we wrap it up sure oh cody it's uh it's good to see you and and uh what a fabulous career and and the best part is you nailed it at the end you ended it on your own terms and and that's that's the best thing or anybody could ask for so this is the nfp podcast we have our take on it we're interested to know what yours is well you know in life we're going to we're going to encounter some stuff that's not pleasant. And, um, you know, you just got to dig to the bottom of who you are when that stuff comes. And, uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't really know. I don't really know how to term it, but, um, I made a lot, I made a lot of money off guys that weren't willing to dig to the bottom. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Always got to find it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I like thanks. it. I don't remember all your names, but thanks, fellas. <laughs> thanks for not digging deep. Yeah. yeah. Okay, Cody. Well, yeah, like I said, I got a bunch more stuff here. So we'll have to uh, bring you back one day if, if you're into it. And, yeah. uh, but yeah, just for me, I got to say, I appreciate everything that you did over my career. I wasn't uh, around you a whole bunch, a couple years down there, but I know we had fun times and, and good visits about just life in general outside the arena. So I appreciate everything that you did for me and yeah, all the yeah, guys in our generation. Your family, like your dad, your dad means a lot to me, man. He, he's a guy that was there early in my career. And, and uh, you know, that that's pretty cool to see, you know, you boys go do something in the sport too. So it's pretty yeah. exciting. Yeah, that's good. Appreciate that. Yeah. The legend himself, the CC rider. This has been our interview with Cody. Yeah.